social conversations. 104 to 107 nationwide. That's where you can dial us in on SAFM. We're leading the conversation. Let's welcome our 18 guest, Dr. Anthony Ajaya, who's an associate research scientist uh, at the African Population and Health Research Center in Kenya. Thank you very much for joining us, Dr. Anthony. Uh, thank you for having me. Dr. Anthony, I'm, I'm so glad that we are speaking hot off the hills uh, from uh, this um, you know, the, this roundtable summit that was held amongst six countries of East African communities um, tabling out the Reproductive Health Bill. Can you tell us why it was so imperative for this uh, discussion to happen amongst these countries? Yeah, I mean, um, it's um, a number of countries now have committed to a forward-looking um, uh, regional framework developed by Africa, you know, called the Maputo Protocol um, uh, in 2004 and uh, ratified, I think, in 2006. So, again, by ratifying that uh, protocol, it calls on member states to then amend their law such that the law aligns with the, with the, with the framework. So again, as one of the as part of the effort to ensure that that is um, uh, done, um, the East African Community began um, working on a reproductive healthcare bill. I think in 2017. However, the, there was limited time to complete it in the third assembly. Um, maybe for listeners, you know, the East African um, Parliament Legislative Assembly is called IALA. It's also equivalent to SADC uh, Parliamentary Forum uh, in, in the Southern African region. So often, the, the, because of the treaty for the establishment of these regional um, bodies, they always want to cooperate in areas of immigration, areas of security, health, as well as you know, in developing policies, such that um, there is a uniform front to address some of the common challenges uh, like issues like child marriage, issues like um, uh, teenage pregnancies, issues like um, you know um, maternal mortality, access to care in general uh, are, are being addressed. You know, develop they develop policies that reflect the values of the region as well. So that's uh, the general uh, background to this particular reproductive healthcare bill. And um, it's been drafted, there's a draft, and uh, it's gone through a series of um, uh, review uh, to allow stakeholders input. And, um, and what was done uh, in a few weeks ago was also uh, a public hearing so to allow for additional input from the public. All right. It seems like uh, the sexual issues and reductive issues that were tabled out are very imperative, but most of them would affect women more. Were the stakeholders from the various countries, um, from East African communities, represented mainly by males or females? Because this is a question that we need to ask. I mean, if you're talking about teenage pregnancies, the victims and those who are pointed fingers at are usually women. Rape and the likes, it's usually women. I'm not excluding men from this, but were the representatives from the um, East African community countries uh, more female than they were male? Um, uh, unfortunately, there were more males uh, than, than female, or more men than women um, in, in the um, East African uh, Legislative Assembly. Uh, but um, 
during the public hearing, there are many women, you know, representing different uh, group of stakeholders that were part of the public hearing. And um, uh, and I would say that, um, in fact, some of the champions for the bill are also women, um, some of the people supporting yeah, uh, the implementation but, but, of the bill but are women. Dr. Ajay, you're saying a lot of the, the people came in from the community and uh, the support, but those who make the legislative um, amendments and uh, draft them out were not predominantly women. So, And most of the issues that you discussed were female issues. So if we talk reproductive health, I'm thinking of how many girls in, in our continent end up going to school without sanitary pads and end up not going to school because there's no one to provide sanitary pads or... Um, uh, menstruation cups for them and to have a room full of men making a bill around that maybe that's why you've reached uh, some sticky points here um we need to elect more women in, in parliament to begin with um uh, and i think um with more women in, in decision making positions uh, maybe our laws will reflect more of our demographic uh, than than it is currently where men um Tend to dominate and tend to make laws for for the for the general population, even though men are you know slightly below fifty percent of the population. <laughs> um, so I, I agree with you there that uh, we, we need to have more women, maybe we equal representation, such that our law reflects our demography. I suppose that's what we should be looking at um, for Africa as a continent, um, not just only in East Africa. Uh, le let's now look at the reasoning behind having a regional response um, for you know, sexual health and reproductive health. Can it work? Will it work? And if yes, has it ever worked in any other part of the world? Uh, I, I would say yes. Um, the regional approach to addressing common challenges um, has worked before. Um, you only need to look at the area of immigration, for example. Um, if you are you know, a citizen of um, any of the um, East African region or even uh, economic community of West African states or even the SADC period, there are some um, advantages that, that in the area of immigration or even in the area of trade customs. So there have been a lot of agreements. Uh, and there is a common um, uh, understanding within the, uh, within a regional body that we will cooperate in, in all these areas. We will harmonize our laws such that um, if um, you're a Kenyan and you decide to perhaps to get a job in Uganda, the rights you enjoy in Kenya is not uh, limited uh, relative to what you enjoy in Uganda when you move to Uganda. So those are some of the additional rationale for having a regional approach to addressing uh, issues. Or you can give another example to say, if you are a South African and you enjoy social and reproductive health and rights, if you you know get a job in, uh, say, Zimbabwe, um, your rights are not limited. Um, the, the laws are you know well aligned such that the rights you enjoy in your country, you can also enjoy uh, so similar rights in um, in your neighboring countries based on those agreements. So it's work in the area of immigration, and and it can work in um, in, in the area of health. And I believe um, there are other examples to give. Um, but but the, but the rationale is you know regional response can help fast track progress. You know it helps harmonize laws and create a uniform front for addressing you know social and reproductive health issues. 
So meaning that if, uh, if the laws, so let me give another example that is peculiar to East Africa. So in Tanzania, when girls get pregnant, um, there was a pronouncement by the, um, the late president um, uh, during his time that those girls are not allowed back in school. You know, they are seen as they will contaminate other, other girls, and so they keep them away from school. Um, now, that, that's a serious challenge because in other countries in the region, girls are allowed back into school. So such inconsistency can be addressed with a regional approach. And, and in some regional bodies that have um, courts, regional courts, like the ECOWAS has an ECOWAS course, you can actually sue your government in the ECOWAS course and they, they, you can get uh, judgment. Um, because of also shrinking civic, uh, civic space spaces, um, if you're unable to sue in your country, you can sue through the regional uh, sub-regional court as well to ensure that your rights are, are protected. So, regional approach is an important um, uh, avenue to, to follow for citizens to also hold government accountable. And um, yeah. Okay, so the, 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 I hear the reasoning around the regional approach. However, I'm asking myself, the first attempt to pass uh, the East African Sexual and Reproductive Health Bill was in 2017. And uh, 2021, the version of the bill is a progressive legislation, right? Where are we now? Because there are some stalemates that have been reached in this particular bill. So, I mean, there have been, um, as I said, there have been a series of consultations. Um, there wasn't sufficient time for consultation in the third assembly. So the fourth assembly took up the bill. And uh, beginning from January 2020, they began consultations. They chip away some of the controversial areas um, uh, from the bill. And then, um, but yet, it seems, it seems as though there are certain, there are still issues that some people are still not uh, happy with. And those are, you know, mainly from the uh, religious or conservative groups, I'll call them. Uh, they are unhappy with provisions on, on, on abortion, um, provisions on uh, surrogacy. It's particularly one of the sticky points. And, and, and lastly, uh, the provision on um, uh, comprehensive sexuality education. And even to a little extent, uh, some people also are opposed to the provision that, that ban child marriage. But again, that's not one of the major, major issues because again, the consensus, you can say there's a lot of consensus around banning child marriage, but those other three areas are the most controversial areas. And some of the, child, the uh, concerns they raise, um, in particular for surrogacy, is that it's against the order of nature um, and then it allows uh, those in the uh, that, be, uh, that identify as um, gender non-conforming or LGBTQ uh, to, to, to have, have children. Um, if you allow for surrogacy, meaning they can have someone, you know, uh, give birth for, for, to, to, uh, on their behalf. And as well, it's, they just believe that it's only God that, you know, creates children and uh, there, shouldn't, there shouldn't be use of technology. Um, the contention around uh, on safe abortion, even though the access to safe abortion in the bill is even limited or limited in line with Maputo protocol that allows for pregnancy termination when there is, uh, in cases of rape, in cases of incest, um, in cases of uh, if the pregnancy threatens the life of the, uh, of the woman or, or affects the health of the woman. 
But again, um, the, the, the opponent of the bill claimed that um, the bill, the bill leave pass will make abortion available on demand, that uh, all gifts are from God, and that a woman should carry uh, pregnancy that results uh, uh, from rape to term. Um, and and, and the, the, uh, the argument against comprehensive sexuality education also relates to the fear that if you begin to educate young people about how to prevent pregnancies, how to protect themselves, it will then make, make them initiate sex. That's contrary to scientific evidence that, um, you know, just merely having knowledge of how to prevent pregnancy does not necessarily now, you know, push us to start having sex. So those are the three contentious areas that remains a major sticky point. Um, but where the bill is at now is, is passed through the um, uh, second, um, sorry, the um, uh, public hearing, and it's now going to go uh, for second reading. And that should happen in, in um, maybe next month, you know, in September. As you're talking, Dr. Anthony, I'm hearing you and I'm realizing that most of these pointers go back to what I said when we started our conversation, that... When we talk sexual and reproductive health care, it affects majority of the times, women. And uh, you mentioned a lot of the things that women are going to be facing. And I see where the, um, you know, the sticky pointers are or the stalemates are. But some of those really need women to articulate them because, you know, now I'm hearing act of God, act of nature, religion is being thrown around, tradition will be thrown around. And then the rights of the woman will always be put on the side. And it, it's, it's Women's Month, you know. It's Women's Month. Um, we're celebrating women. We want women to be emancipated. And I was really hoping that this particular bill is, is going to really channel something different um, so that young people and old people alike will be able to, to get their time you know, on this motherland of ours, especially in the East African community. But it doesn't seem like it's going to get there. So the holdup now is uh, just uh, the consultations, then what? How long will this take? So um, there will be a second reading. And uh, um, what we hope is that uh, the bill will um, perhaps be subjected to, to votes uh, uh, after the second reading. And then if passed, there are still a lot of orders, um, right? Because um, the head of states in all the countries also need to uh, sign, sign, sign to the um, to, to the bill if passed. And um, and then we see. I mean, it's always good to be hopeful to see uh, what what we come out, what what will happen. Is right, and it's also difficult to to to, to predict the future. But um, if those issues are addressed, um, maybe to the satisfaction of uh, the, 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 the opponents of the bill, um, uh, maybe, maybe there can be progress in, in that regards. But we wait and see. Well, it's going to be a wait uh, that we are waiting as we hold our breath. Um, let's talk uh, quickly before I let you go about the elections that are happening tomorrow in Kenya. What, what, what's the feeling on the ground? Because, uh, oof, yeah, the presidential hopefuls are all very hopeful and their campaigns have been robust. So what is currently happening and what's your feel for tomorrow? Um, um, we expect uh, a peaceful election, as you probably know. Kenya, you know, had um, 
uh, a history of uh, you know violent election in the past, and so we hope that remains in the past. So everybody's um, gearing up for a peaceful election, at least that's the projection, and um, and um, we just um, are bracing up for a new president because um, uh, there's going to be a change of power, and oh, uh, the president sound, herself. Confident. Yeah, I mean the president has served uh, two terms, so it's going back home. Mm. And uh, the new president is going to emerge. And uh, it's going to be a keenly contested election from all projection and prediction. And um, and whoever uh, wins, uh, it's probably going to win narrowly. And uh, so we hope we will see what happens tomorrow. Well, we'll be watching it very closely. Dr. Anthony Ajaya, thank you very much for joining us.